so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles out, we're going to be uh, in Psalm 104 uh, this morning. If you don't have a Bible, if you're here with us this morning, you don't have a Bible with you today, you can check under a seat near you, um, in front of you, beside you, you'll find a copy of God's Word there. If you don't own a Bible, take that one home, write your name in it. That's our gift to you this morning. We want to ensure that everyone has a copy of God's Word in their home. Um, if you're new with us today, welcome. Uh, I, I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning if you're brand new with us. If you've been here with us for a while, also still, good, still glad to be worshiping with you. Um, uh, just if you're new with us today, I want to go ahead and introduce myself. My name's Tony Carter. I'm the lead pastor here at the Rock Bible Church. And so I, I'm just so excited to, to get into the word with you today. And so um, we're going to dive right in this morning to Psalm 104. Um, we're going to get right in. If you have one of those pew Bibles, it'll be on page 471 in that Bible. And we're just going to dive right in. And as we do that, as you're getting turned to page 471 to Psalm 104, I want to start us off with a question this morning. Who, who in here is a sports fan? Show of hands. All right, we got a bunch. All right. What, what are some of our favorite sports? Football. Oh, okay, football. Yes. All right. Any, what else? Basketball. Basketball. Okay. Softball. Okay. Baseball. All right. Love all those sports. Right. I, I love them all. Football, basketball, baseball, golf, tennis. I'm not a good golfer, but I love it. Um, do not have a great swing, so uh, I, I'm a terrible at golf. But I love, I love sports. I love all kinds of sports. And you ever notice that as a sports fan, we are always tr arguing about, like, who's the greatest at each sport? Right? We're, we're always arguing about who's the, the GOAT, right, the greatest of all, all time in each sport. If you're a football fan, it's, it was this competition for years between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, if you're a basketball fan, there's an ongoing conversation about Michael Jordan or LeBron. As people who watch sports, we are constantly searching for the greatest. We're in constant search for greatness. Now, there have been moments where I was watching a sport that I had zero knowledge in, zero experience in, but because the, the greatest of all time was, was performing in that sport, I was all into it. I mean, I... I have never in my life been to a swim meet, ever. Not in high school, not in college. Never been to one. Don't know anything about them. But during the 2016 Olympics, when Michael Phelps was in the pool, I was all in. I became a swimming expert during that season, during that week of the Summer Olympics. But there's just something about seeing the greatest athlete perform that just draws us out. Like It draws us in. It, it, it hangs us on on everything, it makes us watch and celebrate every single move that that athlete makes. We are constantly looking for greatness. And we're going to see something similar today. We're going to see a similar response to greatness in Psalm 104 today as we dig into the text. Now, if you weren't here with us last week, as we move closer to launch Sunday on August 20th, as a church, we wanted to just sit in a season and focus on worshiping the Lord for all he has done to get us here as a, as a body of Christ. And as we, when we think about the motivation to worship the Lord, we can find three main monumental reasons why we worship him, like why we worship the one true God. Last week we were in Psalm 106, and, and we saw that our motivation to worship God came from his faithfulness, right? Because of God's faithfulness, we started 
we, it entices us to worship the Lord. And last week we did that. We worship God for his faithfulness to us as a church and our own individual lives. That is one monumental reason, the first monumental reason to worship the Lord because he is faithful. And as we move into the text today, we're going to see another monumental reason why we worship the Lord, and that's this. Today's big idea, the, what the text is going to show us today, is that we worship God because of his greatness. And we worship God because of his greatness. And that's what we're going to see today in Psalm 104. We're going to read from verse 1 all the way to the end of verse 35. And just as a church together, read this out loud and worship the Lord through Psalm 104. And then we'll dig in. So let's, uh, let's dive into the text. If, you're, text. if you're ready, say amen. amen. All right, let's go. Psalm 104, verse 1 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. The mountains rose, the valley sank to the place where you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make the springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock, the plants for man to cultivate, that, they, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them, the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness, and it is night. When all the beasts of the forest creep about, the young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. He, here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things, both small and great. There go the ships and the Leviathan, which you form to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. Then you give it to them. They gather, gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. 
May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. My meditation is pleasing to him. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So as we, we come through this, as, we, as we, we work our way through Psalm 104, as we worship through this, this worship song, this worship psalm, notice how the, the psalmist opens up this text. The psalmist opens up the text in worship. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. So notice that he's, he's preaching to his own soul. He's saying, come on, soul, it's, it's time to worship the God of all creation. As we worked our way through, through the entire psalm, he's saying, I, I, I got I to stir my spirit here. Come on, soul, let's worship the Lord. Let's, it's time to worship the Lord for his greatness. And this is, this is us sometimes, church. Like, this is us. Like, if you're in here this morning and you're like, I, I'm not really feeling like worship. Like, this is, this is not a good season of worship for me. Like, I'm, I'm not in a great mood. As Alex entered in, maybe, maybe we're coming in here on a, on a mountain. And maybe we're coming in here on a valley. And the psalmist is saying, this is what he's doing. He's saying, move my spirit, right? Lord, I want to move my spirit to worship you through your greatness. And so that's what he does. He starts to just name off all the greatness of God, all the attributes of God, and this stirs his spirit to worship. He's moving his spirit to worship God's greatness, God's greatness here. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to continue in worship this morning. And the first thing we're going to see in this psalm of worship is this. When seeking God's greatness, we need to look at his glory. Right? Verse 1 through 4 declares God, God's glory. Look what the psalmist says again in verse 1 through 4. He declares, O Lord my God, you are very great. Well, why? Like, why are you very great, God? He goes on to say, you are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light, stretching out like the heavens like a tent. You cover the, the heavens with your light like a tent. You are clothed in, in what you say is good. In Genesis 1, God says that the light is good. The Lord is clothed in goodness. He goes on to say he lays the beams of his chambers on the waters, right, on the firmament in, uh, in heaven. He makes the clouds his chariot. Notice the, the description of God here. Clothed with splendor and majesty, covering himself in light. He makes the clouds his chariots. What you're seeing here is the description of royalty, church. He's, he's describing a, a glorious king. Rulers during this time were clothed in splendor. Right? They wore spectacular robes. They draped themselves in expensive robes. Our God is clothed in splendor. He, kings ride in chariots. And that's who God is. Right? He's the holy king of all and he is draped in glory. Right? The psalmist is telling us this king that we serve, the king, the one true God, is draped in glory. It also goes on to tell us that, that there's a kingdom right, that he sits on top of. Every king has a kingdom. We read in our history books back in school, we read about you know, the kings of the old. Right? Multiple kings throughout the history. 
right? And most, every one of these kings had a kingdom. Some kingdoms were small. Some kingdoms were, were vast, right? Some kingdoms were, were ruled, you know, throughout countries and through half the world. But, but all kings have kingdoms, I'm sorry, have one thing in common. They all have borders, right? There's an end to every kingdom. There's a line. And past that line is outside of that particular king's reign. One of the biggest kingdoms in the history of the world was the Persian Empire, which was started by King Cyrus the Great. It spanned over 4 million miles, but it still had a border. Right? The, the greatest kingdom ever still had a border. The Bible tells us that this all is God's kingdom. All is God's kingdom. God's kingdom has no border. In Psalm 103, right before this, leaning into Psalm 104, David says this. He says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Like there, there is no end to God's kingdom. All belong to him. We see the same thing in Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32 says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. All of this belongs to you, Lord. He is the Lord of all and his kingdom never ends. And as the author of this psalm states, his kingdom is all and it's above all. In that church, the glory of the Lord it leads us to worship him, right? The truth in his word that, that he is a glorious God, that he is the king of all, that he sits on a throne in heaven, that his chambers lay at the foot of the world. Because he is great, that's why we worship him, right? Why do we praise him? Why do we worship him? Because he is great. And when we look at him, we see his glory. The glory of the Lord leads us to worship. And now as we continue through the psalm, as we go back through it and we look at the, the middle section of this psalm, we see a shift. Right? We see this radical shift from the author moving from describing God's glory to in his transcendence to describing where we should look next in search of his greatness. As we get into verse 5, the psalmist is going to show us this. When, when seeking God's greatness, look at his creation. Again, look at some of the incredible statements that the, the author of this psalm makes about God's greatness. In verse 5, he says, God set the earth on its foundation so it shall never be moved. Right? He, he set the world where it is and said it will not be moved. He goes on to say that the Lord made mountains rise and valleys fall. And not only valleys fall, he says, to the places that he appointed them. He created them and he said, valley, you stop here. He makes springs gush water. He makes bread and wine to sustain man and bring him joy. He created the moon and the oceans, the animals, the lions, the birds, the livestock, the fish, everything. He made grass grow and water flow to support all life that he's created. And the Bible tells us he created all of this with the sound of his voice. 
with a word, all of this came to be. If we look in verse 7, the Bible says this, the psalmist says this, with the sound of your thunder or with the sound of your mighty voice, the mountains rose. And we can see this if we go back to the very first book, the very first chapter in the Bible, Genesis 1. We can see how God created all things. And the way that he did it was this, as Genesis 1 says, let there be and there was. Right? The Lord spoke the earth, the cosmos, everything we see, touch, feel, and taste into existence. That's how mighty and great he is. All the things that he created with his word, we come into contact with every single day, church. Like if we need proof of God's glory, of God's greatness, look around, right? Look around you. We see God's mighty greatness all around us every single day. The problem is that we're often too busy or moving too fast to just stop and admire the Lord's creation. Look around you. His creation is everywhere. Go stand at the the foot of a mountain and look up. Go stand at the, the rim of the Grand Canyon and just admire its vastness that God created. Maybe next time, men, when you go fishing, look at the spectacular colors of the bluegill or the rainbow trout that you just caught. Look at the the armored design of the cricket you used to catch that fish with. Get a close-up look at a flower in your backyard. Look at its beauty. Look at its design. And if you don't do any of this, just go outside at night and look up. Gaze at the 100 billion stars in the sky that God placed. But above all, look at yourselves. Look at the people around you. Look at the people in this room. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Lord creates all things. The entire cosmos, unfathomable number of stars, the vast mountains, the animals, all the things we've mentioned right up to this point. And at the end of the chapter, the Lord says this in Genesis 1. He says, let us make man in our image for our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. The Lord, after he's created giant mountain ranges and and the deepest oceans and, and the stars that light up the sky and the moon itself, the last thing he did was create us to dominion over it. If you're a, a parent in here and I can tell you, you you know this feeling. But if you're not a parent in here, let me prepare you for this moment that you may have in the future if you have children. I remember the first time that I held each of one of my children. We have four kids. I remember the first moment that I got to hold each one of them. Moments after they they were born, looking into their eyes. Their eyes were opening for the first time, just gazing into their eyes. And at that moment, knowing God's greatness through his creation. The Lord 
is great and we can see it through his creation. We can touch it, we can taste it, we can feel it. It's all around us. Right? There, is, there is no excuse for, for not knowing God's greatness because it moves all around us. All of this God created, both vast and small, the Bible says, because he is great. And as we see, as we're coming out of this middle section, as we opened up, the psalmist says, stir my soul. And by the time he's getting through the middle section of Psalm, that soul is stirred. Like, Lord, I, I see your greatness in all your, your creation. I see everything you do. I see everything you created. I see the magnificent design of the world. And that is stirring the soul, stirring the spirit to worship him. That's what we've seen in the psalm thus far today. As we look upon and admire all the beauty around us, it should move us all to worship God who created it all. But that's not all the Lord does. Right? The Lord doesn't just create. He doesn't just uh, create something and say, okay, I'm done. He also sustains what he creates. And that's the final place that we're, we'll look here in the text in Psalm 104. At the very end here through verses 27 through 32, we find out this, that when seeking God's greatness, we should look to his provision. Verse 27, the psalmist says that all these things you created, Lord, they look to you. Right? They look to you to provide for them. Here he's stating that all things the Lord has created, they're 100% dependent on him to survive. Right? Without him, they die. That's what, that's what it says here. He says, when you give it to them, they gather it up, verse 28. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. But when you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die. Right? Without the Lord... Nothing, right? We are dead. Everything he created dies without him. Without the grass he created, the livestock will die. Without its prey, the lion will starve. In our own lives, we are dependent on the provision and the grace of the Lord to survive. Right? He, he, he provides for our families, provides us food and shelter. Without his provision of the son, of his son, Jesus, for the sins that we committed against him, we would all be dead. What the author is saying here is that it is only by God's will, we or anything else he created, eats, lives, dies, or renews. All the things that he created, he sustains. And this is why we worship him, church because he provides for us. And we have to lean into him. We have, to, we have to trust him to sustain us every single day. As we, as we look through this entire worship psalm, we come to this one conclusion, that he is clothed in glory. He, is, he created us. He sustains us. He is worthy of our worship. Because of all of these things, he is worthy of our worship. This is why we worship him, church, because he is worthy. Look at the, the posture of the psalmist throughout the, this worship text. 
Look at how the psalmist is responding to the glory, creation, and provision of God. Throughout this entire text, the author repeats one possessive pronoun over and over again. You. Right? Over and over again, we see this. You created, God. You give. You set. You make. You are great. As we look at why we worship God, we have to know that we're designed for this. Like just with our eyes, we can see and we can look and see God's provision, God's create, cre- uh, creation, God's glory. And, and we are designed to worship him for that. We are designed to worship the Lord because he is worthy. If we look in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter says this, But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And right here he says this, church. He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church, we are designed, we are chosen to worship and proclaim the excellency of a holy, glorious God. As children of God, all of us, we must worship the Lord for his greatness. For who he is, for what he's created, and the fact that he sustains all of his creation. The psalmist ends here, and I want us to, to just settle into what, how the psalmist ends this, this worship. He says this in verse 33, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. And churches, as long as we live, as long as we have breath in our lungs, we must be moved by God's greatness to worship him. This week, I want to challenge us as followers of Jesus. Open up your Bible. Look how glorious God is through time. Look how the Lord in his glory created all things. Open Genesis 1 this week and just... Pray through it. Worship through it. Look around you at his creation. See how mighty and powerful he is. But above all, look at your own life. Look at your own life and see how the Lord has sustained you. He has kept you fed and clothed and blessed you with children. And above all, how he has sustained you with the blood of his only son. God sent us the ultimate provision in his son Jesus to die for our sins. And all we have to do is have faith that he did it. He gave us the ultimate provision of eternal life that sustains us forever. And he does all of these things, church, because he is great. So this week, worship him for his greatness. And open your eyes. Look and worship him for his greatness. And if you would, rise with me, church. We're gonna, we're gonna end today. I'm gonna pray, but we're gonna end today just in continual worship of who God is, what he's created, and the fact that he provides and sustains all things. So pray with me, church. Father, we, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for, for everything, God. You are in and and created everything, Father. You are before all things. Lord, you 
We see that your, your glory and your mighty hand at work in creation, God. We see your glory through your word, God. Father, we see your... Father, we see your support through our lives, Father, that you sent your only son to die on the cross for us, God, that that would give us, uh, that would would support us, Father, and, and supply us with grace for eternity, Father. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room right now who does not know you, Father, they would see your greatness around them, that it would impact their heart, that they would look and see the mountains and the, the creation of all the animals. And, and, Father, this wouldn't just be something that they enjoy looking at. This wouldn't just be pictures on a screen, Lord. This would be, this would manifest itself into worship for you, Father, that they would know you as the creator, that they would know you as a glory covered God and Father I just pray that they would know Jesus that they see the ultimate support that you have given them the ultimate sustenance in Jesus Christ for all of eternity Father this week I pray that as a church we go out and we worship you day in and day out for how great you are glory to you Father you are holy you are worthy we pray all this in Jesus name Amen Well, church, as we close our service today, let's sing this song together. Church, you are loved, you are sent. We'll see you next week.